loss helps us define our lives. By allowing our grief to matter, we discover our own strengths and embrace our authentic selves. Welcome to Good Grief with your host, Cheryl Jones. Get ready to be inspired, to create a deeper life, to make your time on Earth much more meaningful. Now, here is Cheryl Jones. Hello, I'm your host, Cheryl Jones, and I want to welcome you to Good Grief, where we talk each week about the transformations that can come from loss. Today, I'm welcoming Barbara Gon Mueller. Barbara is the president of the United Nations Association Santa Barbara Tri-County Chapter and co-author of the award-winning book, Revolutionary Conversations, The Tools You Need for the Success You Want. Barbara's a motivational speaker and emphasizes that the time for peace is now. For the United Nations 70th anniversary in 2015, she spoke at the UN in New York City and received the Spirit of the UN Award. She's also the co-author of a new book, Revolutionary Conversations, Peace Begins With Me, and is the co-CEO of Revolutionary Conversations, LLC. For the 2016 Rotary World Peace Conference, she interviewed 60 of the 150 speakers and created podcasts available at peaceconference2016.org. She's the co-author with her late husband, Dr. Robert Mueller, former UN Assistant Secretary General of 7,500 Ideas for a Better World, shared daily on goodmorningworld.org. She's also the founder of Gogan Global Public Relations, now in its 25th year. Welcome, Barbara. Really beautiful introduction. I feel like you just capsulized my life. <laughs> well, I like to give people a sense of what you what 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 brings you here. Of course, what brought us together uh, most uh, imminently was that you live in Santa Barbara and you got in touch because you were seeing how. Um, this work you do was affecting conversations you were having when the fire and floods were happening, which I found very interesting. So I hope we'll talk some about that. But uh, it's clear from the bio that you've lived a life of service, that you um, you work for what you want to see in the world. Uh, we've the, we're the people we've been waiting for, as it said. Right. Um, mm-hmm. But how did you? How do you think? That came to be true for you. What led for you to such a strong commitment to uh, constructive conversation and peace and um, kind of bridge building? I truly feel like opportunities present themselves all the time. I feel like everything that happens is a gift. And um, if you pay attention... And you see how you feel when the opportunity comes your way. And in this case, I'll go just a little bit back to how the book began, Revolutionary Conversations, the Tools You Need for the Success You Want. Mark Fowler, my co-author with Noel McDonald, was participants in my media training workshop with my Gone Global PR. And that was in the 90s. And he called me in the when it came to around 2010 or so, and he called me and said, we're writing a new book. And I said, oh, what is it about? Conversations and peace. And I said, 
That's what I want. I want these peace negotiations that my darling Robert was involved with to succeed. But people didn't know how to have that conversation. So anyway, he said, well, I'd like to have a moment with you. And we had that conversation. And I became one of the first co-authors of the book. And during the five years when Robert was not himself, who was going through early dementia, I wrote the book with Mike, Mark, and Noel, and that was an opportunity for me to be totally engaged in the process of conversation, and boy, did it come in handy when I was talking to Robert. That's interesting because uh, it's a very, I guess I would say it's a very crisp book, very clear, you know, what you do to generate... Um, um, Very really, really meaningful conversations. Mm-hmm. And in the mm-hmm. meantime, you were also using it with someone who couldn't, uh, you know, what I, I think of dementia as, a, as an interruption of, of, of um, kind of linear thinking in a way. It is, uh, I called it a different channel. He was on a, a different, different channel. channel. My channel was clear and it was like, you know, clear channel. But his channel was kind of confused. And I would say, well, sweetheart, you know, i got to ask you a question. Do you know where we are? Sometimes we would be shopping, and he would say, nope, I have no idea where we are. And I said, that's wonderful. I'll do all the shopping, and you do all the thinking. You know, you just play with it, you know? And so uh, that's interesting. You're jumping jumping ahead to Robert, which I, which I appreciate, because, uh, you know, sometimes um, we don't, change what we're doing when we have a grief, but we do it from a, a little bit different angle. Mm-hmm. And um, the fact that you were able to use these tools you developed to stay in connection with him through a period when his his brain was going and he had, a, having just read his book about happiness, he had quite a vivid brain <laughs> before oh, that. he was so important uh, to the brilliant. world. Yeah. I, so, that 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 makes it very meaningful, doesn't it? That that those those things worked even without the kind of uh, cognitive connections that right. uh, that we depend on so much. Right, and you know, I wish I could just help people who are caregivers to remember that this too is something that we can get involved with. If you know, they say, well, I, they have really amazing early memory. They'll go back to an early time, and they may say, well, i got to get ready for the train, and I'll say, what train are you taking? And he would say, I'm taking the train to Geneva. I said, holy cow, are you lucky, Geneva? That's where you were at the United Nations, and you had your farm, right? Oh, I love that. So we would have these conversations, but I will tell you a little trick that I used for Robert. I made a video with Wisdom Media of him, and he was when he was fully alive and alert, and we were traveling the world, and every time he would forget who he was, I would show this video, and he would, then he, it's an hour long, and he would sit there mesmerized, and he would say, I was great, wasn't I? And I'd say, you were the best. You know, it's that <laughs> attitude that we carry with us of whatever is coming your way, you just view it as a gift. Well, and and also um, walk past fear because I think a lot of what what um, gets so in the way of grief. Speaking of my subject, and uh-huh. something like relating to someone who's who's cognitively uh, declining is it's scary and uh, engaging. You know, just surrendering yourself to the 
the conversation the way he could have it takes not paying so much attention to the fear that you stop. Yes? That's a great point. Fear gets in the way of love. And you just have to love that person. And there were times when I was scared to death because I, he would remember he had had lunch and he'd have another lunch. And I thought, oh, my goodness, hope he doesn't explode right here. And so what I ended up doing was using my iPhone and taking pictures of his meals so that he could see the meals that he had just eaten or I'd leave the dirty dishes on the table. Anyway, these are little things that anybody can learn if you come from love and not from fear. So let's talk a little bit specifically, because, of course, um, the book uh, is for largely, I would say, for use with business. Um, mm-hmm. But as you as you all, you and your co-authors point out, certainly useful for personal situations. And you're giving us great examples uh, and also applicable to um, issues of. Boy, I I almost uh, wish, you know, (laughs) that this upcoming meeting with North Korea, someone would ingest these ideas, (laughs) you know, how do we have these conversations? But um, absolutely. Let's talk about the principles a bit. Um, We've now we've now seen how it can work in a personal situation, even that would be very um, difficult in in aspects and all that, but it still worked. So let's talk specifically about the share tools, would you? Thank you. And it is share tools. They are there to help you navigate any conversation. How many times have you had a conversation and you said, oh, darn, why did I say that? Why didn't I ask? Why didn't I? Well, this is a way that we, we all learned how to talk. Our parents taught us the language that we are speaking, but they didn't teach us how to have that give and take, that conversation that allows you to make a real difference in the world. It allows you to have an opportunity to really come alongside the person you're with. And in peace negotiations, that was one of the first reasons I got so involved with revolutionary conversations because I saw people yelling at each other. And these were heads of states, and I would say, Robert, listen to them. He said, I know they're not paying attention to each other. They're sure they're right. And I mm. said, it's not about right or wrong. It's about we're both human beings. And I'll never forget the Dalai Lama saying, oh, if we only had picnics and we would bring the grandchildren, nobody would be able to shoot each other if they saw these beautiful people. And so we created this book to allow people to see the beauty in the conversation, to stop And, you know, um, do you want me to tell you the five simple tools? Absolutely. Well, you know, they're so simple. It's a quick overview. I'm just going to give you the quick overview. Great. We can amplify later. (laughs) Yeah. The first one is stop. Why do you stop at a stop sign? Because you don't go forward until it's safe. In the conversation tools, number one is stop for the conversation for clarity. Number two, help. Develop an environment for support and teamwork. I need a little help. I heard you say that you want me to go to the office at 9 o'clock tomorrow morning and we're going to have a meeting, right? Well, do you need me to be prepared? I need a little help. 
Number three, ask a question. May I ask you a question? Do you need me to bring the materials or will you take care of them? Or at home, we're going to have a dinner for some fabulous friends. What would you like to have? So you ask the question, stop, help, ask, and then this is my favorite one. It's risk, R-I-S-K, to present new ideas and options. So I, you know, practice these things in very simple ways. Like, I'm going to take a risk here. You wanted fish, but I really would like to do my new chicken dish and we have a conversation about that explore is the last one ways to develop collaborative results so it's stop help ask risk and explore and it's spell share and you can carry these tools with you wherever you are and bring them out whenever you need them you know one thing I noticed is it, it wasn't just these principles which are very helpful but it's actually how you introduce them to it it seemed to me it was very heavily loaded towards telling the person what it is you're doing or, or asking mm-hmm. their permission to do it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Can, can, can we stop tool. for a minute? Because I'm confused. Or uh, I'd yeah. love to ask yeah. you a question. Is that okay? That there's a sort of um, uh, respect, maybe? Give and take. That also, that, that also is uh, essential. Mm-hmm. It's It's, uh, it's a respectful way to have a conversation. It's not talking at someone. It's not being the boss, let's say. Everybody has an opinion. And how often the beautiful opportunity for that opinion to be expressed is ignored. And we have found companies turn around. I've seen families turn around with these shared tools. I've seen families that were disruptive and unhappy use these shared tools at dinner. Thanksgiving becomes an opportunity for celebration, not for upset. And they use these tools. So somebody says, well, I don't know why you made that turkey that way. Oh, I need to stop a minute. What kind of turkey would you have liked? You know, you don't have to make them wrong. Just find out what they're thinking. Keep the thinking going and keep the conversation And you'd be amazed. Well, you know, maybe I'm going to try that recipe. So you're not making anybody wrong and you're not playing the blame game. You're just inviting alongside somebody who made a comment. So since we're since we're also talking kind of globally and you've been very involved in a um, shall I say a, a an organization whose in, entire focus and goal is actually peace of various kinds. Mm-hmm. Um, what could you give me a moment where this kind of conversing has made the biggest difference in terms of that? I'm president of the United Nations Association. Um, I'm the Tri-County president, and my board meetings used to go on and on and on, and everybody would say things, and we never got anything done, but I thought, oh, well, that's how board meetings are supposed to be. And I had said to my group, um, would you like us to do a revolutionary conversation workshop? And they said, yes. So we all read the book and we had this conversation workshop. And when we were done, my board said, we're not going to have old-fashioned board meetings anymore. We're going to have revolutionary conversation workshops. And we finished our board meeting in one hour. We get our events planned. We have the activities that need to be done. There's clarity. Nobody leaves the board meeting 
confused. Everybody knows what they're doing. Everybody's on the same page. We had 18 people show up last night at our board meeting. That's a big board, but we used a revolutionary conversation tools to bring us along so that we could get the benefits of everybody who was there. The conversation dynamics are what changes. It changes your perspective. It changes the board's perspective. And one of my board members on revolutionaryconversations.org, I'm sorry, .net, is Sharon Byrne, and she did a two-minute overview. She says, you think it's easy to stop, right? You think it's easy to ask for help. Practice. You have to practice. But it's worth it. And so we practice every board meeting a little bit before we start the meeting, and then we just go right into the meeting with our agenda, and we get so much done now. So this is a good book for anybody it's, who has a board of directors. <laughs> it's a it's a paradox, isn't it? It's making me think <laughs> of one of my one of my uh, primary goals or, or tactics in couples therapy, which is to slow everything down. It makes uh-huh. things go much faster. <laughs> You know, uh-huh, because uh-huh. if you don't have if you don't have open hearts, if you're not actively thinking, what is that other person's point of view? Mm-hmm. Solution is inevitably difficult or impossible. Mm-hmm. So, uh, the, what I get from this is it it is a way that proactively and productively slows conversations down so that they can get on their proper footing. You said that right. And it's slowing it down so you can go farther. It really is amazing when you slow it down and you pay attention, you can come and put a period on things. What about that? Let's put a period here. Or do we need to explore it some more? We, at the end of each year, I'm now in my fifth year of being president of this nonprofit United Nations Association. I hope your listeners will join one. It's become part of the global voice. Um, it allows to have that conversation with the finish and the beginning and it, it's not just wandering around filling the airspace with words it's filling yes. the airspace with ideas great place to take our first break and we'll come back to that when we when we um, are done with the break and also I'm very uh, interested in talking about uh, your husband's uh, who I couldn't interview because he's not here anymore but uh right. Uh, he's he's such a great example of what this show is about, having gone through difficulty and found uh, his his mission and passion. So we'll talk about him some more when we get back to. And listeners, Thank you'll you. find links to my website, social media, at the Good Grief page at Voice America. And to find Barbara Gone Mueller, go to revolutionaryconversations.net. Be back soon. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Today's woman faces a stressful world when it comes to staying healthy. We are bombarded by media messages with contradicting ideas about fitness and nutrition. We need to keep our diet, relationships, and stress in check. It's time to get the right message and have the most fun. Join hosts Andrea Beeman, Lisa Lutan, and Michelle Fenighaus for Healthy View Radio. It's health and happiness in one show every Thursday at noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Health and Wellness. 
relationship issues, anxious, parenting challenges, no more. Learn how to live your best life. Tune into Straight Talk with top psychotherapist, relationship, and anxiety expert, Sandra Reich. In this program, you'll learn how to transform your challenges into effective solutions, whether it's relationships, parenting, anxiety issues, or other life traps that you struggle with. Sandra will show you how to change them and how to live the life of your dreams. Listen every Thursday afternoon at 6 p.m. Eastern Time and 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. There is a difference in health and wellness programs. There can be mainstream programs, and then there is something extra. That something extra is called tips to keep you healthy, happy, and motivated with your host, Kristen Harper. If you want to hear some behind-the-scenes talk radio when it comes to health and wellness, the why as well as the how, be sure to tune in each week. This show will inspire you to be healthy and happy for life, as well as become the best version of yourself. Listen Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Health and Wellness. Follow the Voice America Talk Radio Network on Twitter. We're at Voice America TRN. You'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and general happenings that you should know about at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office. Just go to twitter.com forward slash Voice America TRN or follow along with us at Voice America TRN. The Voice America Talk Radio Network. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You are listening to Good Grief with Cheryl Jones. To reach Cheryl or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to Cheryl Jones at weatheringgrief.com. Now, back to Good Grief. Welcome back. This is your host, Cheryl Jones, and I've been talking with Barbara Gone Mueller, who has written, is one of the authors of the book, Revolutionary Conversations. And Barbara, um, you know, you shared the tools before the break, um, and they, and they, um, what I know of you makes it so, it makes so much sense that you'd be involved in a book like that, uh, because... Because you're interested in peace, you're you know those of us that are interested in peace really do uh, want to do something about it when it's not present, <laughs> you know. And it begins to, with me. It begins with me. You know, um, you know, you were talking earlier about the fire and flood, Barbara. Well, think about it. Here we are in Montecito are in this tremendous zone of the fire, 394, I don't know how many acres, thousand acres burned in the ash that was, was two inches thick in my patio. I'm 10 miles from the fire. We couldn't get a handle on the fire. And so my father, who always said to me, don't breathe that smoke from those fires in the mountains. And I said, what choice do we have? We haven't got any masks. We've run out. So I went up to a Tascadero and got masks and came home and said to anybody I saw who didn't have a mask, would you like a mask? So, you know, no matter what it is, 
You just think, What's, what little thing can I do? And peace begins with me. You'd be surprised how many people were so peaceful after I gave them a mask and they weren't worried about dying from the intoxication of the smoke. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that, that is, uh, that's a big deal. I was, I was away on a musical tour when the fires happened here. And, uh, you know, my, my wife was emailing me, get a mask, get a mask. Don't come home without a mask. Yeah. It was, it was so intense here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm not that close to the fires in Oakland. Um, but, uh, yeah, that was, so I can imagine you received a lot of gratitude for that act of kindness and a there. Story. Everybody has a story. And I would would say, were you impacted? Are you impacted? And they would tell me their story. And it was like, that was how I could present peace to them, was to be the peace that they needed at that moment. You know, that that kind of intersects or goes towards a conversation that I want to have with you about your husband, Robert Mueller, because uh, I you sent me his book, Happiness. Most of all, they taught me happiness. So it's people that he's he intersected with in his life who taught him something about happiness. Yeah, uh-huh. uh, and saved um, his life. But, Happiness and saved, saved his life. life, as you read in the chapter. Absolutely. And what what really um, s- stood out to me, um, because of my viewpoint, is that he was a resistance fighter in France, mm-hmm. and that he was imprisoned by the Nazis in the war, and that what that led to in his life, as I understand it, is this passion for peace. Passion for peace, mm-hmm. and and so of course uh, those of us who did not live in Europe during the war, and so most of us, I wasn't born. Um, you know, th- we think of that as really one of the worst circumstances. Uh, that if I think of the worst circumstances of the world, that will come to my mind. Absolutely. And, um, and so, but somehow, I get the impression he was definitely wired to be an optimist, and then that was reinforced by his family. But I wondered if there was any struggle along the along the way, any sense of um, futility, or because certainly in the book, he's a hundred percent impassioned about doing what he can do and seeing the possibilities. You were a good pair that way, huh? Um, oh, absolutely. I'm so glad I, I also you know the there are There are also hard, hard moments. And I wonder oh. um, what, uh, you know, how he viewed that time in his life. Uh, well, he you know, started out as a little boy in war-torn France. His father changed nationalities five times, five different uniforms, German, French, German, French, French. And when he was ready to graduate from high school, they said, nope, you can't graduate. You now have to have the German. You're going to have to do everything in German. He said, but I'm ready to graduate. Everything's in French. Oh, too bad. You have another year. Everything's in German. So anyway, when he was a little boy, French, German, French, German, he said, war is so stupid. And he said, I'm not going to ever be in a war. I'm going to be a peacemaker. And his father said, I pity you, young man. There's no such thing as a peacemaker. He said, I don't care. 
I'm going to be a peacemaker. Well, here he is at the University of Strasbourg, and he sees on the wall an invitation to write an essay. The, the result of this essay, whoever wins this essay contest, how would you run the world if you were in charge of the world? Would be an internship at the newly created United Nations. And he said, that's for me. He was on the train going to visit his parents over the holidays, and he sat down with a piece of paper and a pencil, and he wrote home and typed it up and sent it off. Never, He forgot he sent off this essay, how he would run the world. And so one day there was a knock on the door, and his mom answered, and they said, is Robert Mueller here? And she was always afraid because he was kind of a daredevil, always trying to do something. What did he do and now? Said, huh? <laughs> yeah, that's exactly every mother's dream. But what did he do now? And she, she, they said, no, 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 we have something for him. So he comes down from the, he was always studying up in the attic. And he came down and he said, I'm Robert Mueller. And they said, well, you won the essay contest. You get to go to the United Nations. And he said, and he spoke French and German, but he didn't speak English. And he said, I'm going. And his mother said, no, you cannot go. We need you to be a hat maker, just like your father. And he said, nope, Mom, I'm going. Remember my dream. I want to be a peacemaker. I'm going to the newly created United Nations. And that's where he spent the next 40 years. And he spoke no English when he got there, but he was put in charge as an intern of the Economic Council, and he spent the next 40 years and retired as the Assistant Secretary General. Isn't that amazing? It's an incredible life. For sure. Remember your dreams. That's what I say to people. I used to do these speeches to the elder hostels in Costa Rica, where we lived in between Santa Barbara, Costa Rica, Santa Barbara. And I would say, what was your dream? Now that you're retired, what dream did you have when you were a young person? You have to bring that dream to reality now. Now you can do it. And then I tell that story about Robert's dream. And I also notice myself that... um, Sometimes my dreams get fulfilled in ways I could never have uh, imagined. That That's once you <laughs> once you have a, a dream of some general categorical type, uh, right. it sometimes gets fulfilled in ways that are quite surprising. You just get out of the way. I always say, let the dream your dreams. And let the universe support him. When I was a little girl, my grandfather immigrated to the United States so that he could be away from World War I. He was in Hungary. And the coffin maker was building all these coffins. And my grandfather said, what are you doing that for? And the coffin maker said, we're going to need him. And he was only 17 years old. And Grandpa John said, I'm leaving $5 in his pocket, left his meat store, left the hair cutters, the barber shop that his parents had. He left all the wealth and he went to the United States with $5 in his pocket. And when I was born, he kept saying to me, Barbara, when you grow up, you're going to be a peacemaker. I said, Grandpa, I'm only three years old. What do you expect? (laughs) And he would say, when you grow up, you're going to be a peacemaker. And that came to me when I met Robert. I thought, is this my avenue to become a peacemaker? Amazing that that would stay with you. So, so I guess one thing we could say is um, support the the possibilities of the children in our lives. You both had that in your lives. A lot of kids uh, don't. Absolutely. Uh huh. Absolutely. That was so, really true. That dreams do come true. 
And, you know, you just don't know how they're going to come true. But have them anyway. Have your dreams. Be very aware of what you want to do in your life and allow those dreams to be fulfilled in unusual ways. Now, I didn't expect to beat Robert. I mean, I served on the board of La Casa de Maria for over 25 years, and I kept saying, where do world leaders go to heal? And La Casa de Maria, they said, well... And so I said, well, let's have a world conference and invite world leaders. And here comes Robert Mueller from Costa Rica. I'm in Santa Barbara. Our hearts are like magnets. We become one at this conference. And for years after, we would always meet at the conference. And pretty soon we fell in love and got married because he was my peacemaker. And I became a peacemaker, too. You can only really see the, the shape of your life looking back on it. Isn't it true? Oh, I just love <laughs> what a, that. What a I wish propitious... I could chart my life. <laughs> so, um, I, 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 I want to go back to the end of his life a little bit because mm-hmm. uh, I would call him an extreme optimist, and, and you too, right? Thank you. So, at some point, yeah. at, at some point, it became clear that he was going to lose his his brain. Yes. Uh, he kind of knew that he was forgetting things, yeah. But um, yeah. he had one thing he could always do, and that was he played his five-hole harmonica, the old do-do-do-do-do, played it over and over again every time he did a speech. And I would go to every one of his speeches, so I became, you know, the next person to, if he would forget something, I'd just stand up and say how lucky we are that we're all together. And Robert, with your permission, I'd like to forget, I'd like to finish your speech for you. Would that work for you? And the people, you know, I have his personality. I, I'm enthusiastic, and I would get up and finish his speeches. It didn't matter. <laughs> I was there. He was very you know, lucky we, to have you, wasn't he? Oh, thank you. I loved him so much. He was just so. I, I married him on the Hudson River by the mayor of New York, and at that wedding, we had nine grandchildren. His nine grandchildren, and I became an instant grandma. Was I happy? So, so you skip the whole baby thing, uh, or unless you also have kids. <laughs> yes, I do, but and I didn't right have them until right after. The blessing of grandmotherhood, huh? <laughs> oh, it was so wonderful. And they would say, Grandma, what are you wearing that black dress for? I said, well, I didn't have time to go buy a white dress because <laughs> I had my St. John knit, which I wore everywhere. And uh, I bought them little flowers for their hair, and then they could care less about what I was wearing. All they wanted was flowers. And so you may, you know, one one focus I have on this show is that uh, it's kind of through struggle that we that we find those that blessed right. uh, uh, spark. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet, you and and um, your husband seem to be people who went through that struggle part pretty quickly and got to the blessing part pretty fluidly. Would that be fair well, you to know say? What? I have to go back to early life. When Robert was a little boy, he was in war-torn France. When he was in the French resistance, he saw people being murdered. He, got, he had so many opportunities to be in such horrors, the pains, the murders of Innocent Russians, they thought they, they put these young Russian boys in uniforms, German uniforms, and then they found them in this house and they shot them. 
And he said, I promised them that they would not get shot, but you shot them. And that night he laid on top of the haystack and he said, dear God in heaven, I am going to be a peacemaker. We cannot have these horrible atrocities. Their parents will never know what happened to them. They were Russians. They weren't even Germans. But everybody just solved the problem with a gun. No way, he would say. And he would tell me these stories. We'd be lying in bed. And he would say, do you know? I was in the Nazi prison. The only way I survived, I had just, there was no way I could lay down. I was standing up. I went to the front of the room and I asked one of the guards for a pencil and I started to write a story on the wall. I imagined that I was in a beautiful farm with a beautiful woman and I wasn't in that prison anymore. My imagination took me away from prison. And I think so much of our lives are in the wrong attitude. Remember that this world was created to be a paradise and we're miracles. And allowing that miracle that you are to become fully human through revolutionary conversations, through having that moment of bliss when you find somebody you're really in tune with. You know, it it is amazing what can happen if you're open and you just come from love and not from fear. And also resolve uh, that mm-hmm. something in him was geared to make something out of what he was experiencing. Obviously, you know, in this place, he couldn't even sit down. He was writing stories no. to, you know, no. so. Um, on the wall. He, but it, he, takes, was, it takes resolve yeah. to continue on that path, doesn't it? Yes, it, and, you know, after Robert died, was writing The Caregiver's Corner. I would say I'm harvesting the wisdom of my life experiences and Robert's experiences or the power of a smile. I don't care what happened. If he did something so bizarre, and they do, I would just smile and say, holy cow, how did you ever create that idea? How did you do that mess? That's interesting. And all you could do is smile and say, my, 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 here I am and here you are. And that's all you can do. You don't have any reason to. My sister has a husband who's going through early dementia. And I always say, Lorene, it's not about upset. It's accept, accept what is. It is what it is. And then you'll be okay. Not upset, accept. <laughs> accept and respond. I, I think mm-hmm. there's something to be said for, you know, having a little room for complaint now and then. But I, I really liked what you said about um, living in such a way that uh, at the end of the day, you you feel good about what you did, that you don't regret uh-huh. it. Uh-huh. So, it, so when we come back to be grateful. Just be, be grateful. grateful that you have this day. I'm grateful in the morning. I just wake up and I say, dear God in heaven, how lucky I am I have another day. May this day provide the peace that I need and the peace that others need. May I just be your servant and be the peace that can create the world we want. And that's my so, prayer. Beautiful. So we, we have one more uh, segment left. We're about to go to break. And um, I guess what I would like to talk about in this final section uh, would be, um, you know, the the world is, is either it's more of a mess or it's very visible. The mess it is, you know, the things right. that are messy. Right. Um, and we're all trying to figure out how to relate to that. And I'd like to talk some about that uh, kind I of would like to being, do that. being realistic and looking at what's right. going on and, and being informed, but not being dragged 
dragged down. I think you probably have something to say about that. So let's go. Let's talk about that after the break. And listeners, you can find me at my website, weatheringgrief.com or the Good Grief host page. To find Barbara Gone Mueller, go to revolutionaryconversations.net. Back soon. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Ready to transform your health and your world? Join host Melissa Alexander for Insight Living with Vitality. Melissa and her guests go behind the scenes on what it takes for practitioners and clients to transform themselves and others. She provides insight to medical procedural breakthroughs, available product resources, and explains lifestyle choices designed to improve and expand your vitality. It's time to get rid of that baggage, remove those blockages, and prevent buildup from hindering your progress in life. Tune in every Monday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Healthcare has been a major part of news stories today with one thing that has been consistent, inconsistency. Both healthcare providers and patients have to work around and get used to a constantly changing set of rules and issues. Nurses have historically been left out of this decision making. Listen to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, exploring the world of nursing with host Leanne Meyer. Health professionals, we invite you to share your ideas and experiences while listening to experts in various areas of nursing. Listen Mondays at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Health and Wellness. Explore the power of natural healing with Howard Strauss. Join us each week for an informative program that will help you learn effective healing methods using natural remedies. Howard's guests include top researchers, authors, and experts who will share their views on a variety of natural products and healing methods that really work. Tune in to The Power of Natural Healing with Howard Strauss, Mondays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network wherever you go. In addition to listening live, you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts, discover new talk show personalities, add shows to your list of favorites, and listen to all our show archives on demand. All from your iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market, and get ready to tune in. The Voice America mobile app, powered by Aircast. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Good Grief with Cheryl Jones. To reach Cheryl or her guest today, please call 1 866 472 5792. That's 1 866 472 5792. You may also send an email to Cheryl Jones at weatheringgrief.com. Now, back to Good Grief. Welcome back to Good Grief. I'm here with Barbara Gone Mueller to talk about her book, Revolutionary Conversations, and her late husband Robert Mueller's book, Most of All, They Taught Me Happiness. And before the break, Barbara, I was saying what I'd really like to talk about in this last third of the show is, um, you know, I, I'm I'm so aware that um, there's a great pull of despondency uh, near me um, and also uh, other things as well. But uh, there's there are so many things that that are 
feel threatening these days to many people. And there's a lot of grief in my on our planet right now. A lot of what? Grief on the planet. People, Absolutely. there's almost like massive grief. People are in grief about what's going on. They don't feel they can solve the problems. But Absolutely. I know they can if we put our heads together. Well, and also, you know, the day after the election, um, I was, we were driving in the car and I said to my wife, wow, I wonder what kind of music is going to happen in the next few years. Because mm-hmm. I know that that's a way that people express. I happen to be a musician, so you know, uh-huh. I know that's a way that people express their um, their sorrow and their and their response and their activism and everything. Uh, so that's an example of what what I do to keep myself proportional, I guess. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> but um, right. But I wanted to talk with you because you you do have such a grasp on being positive, finding the good news, all of this, um, and yet we do also have to recognize what's actually happening in order to respond right. that way. Right. So how do you balance that for yourself, or how do you envision people balancing, um, you know, staying aware, having that grief? And also staying optimistic. Paying attention is really important. Oftentimes I do a lot of talks and some people will say, how can you be so positive when the world is not working? And I say, yes, that's true. That's the database that we are given. And it makes it sound really like it's impossible. But let's imagine the world we want. What if you use that powerful brain that we were given at birth to imagine the world we want, that we operated as if we were going to make this world a better place, that I volunteer in places where I'm needed. I volunteer with the homeless shelter. I volunteer for the United Nations Association so that my voice counts. I do a lot of talks to home um, retirement communities so that at this time in their life when they're thinking, oh, my life is over, I'm so old. Heck no, this is when you begin to live those dreams. It's when you begin to see the reality of life that we're given so much time on this planet. And that time is for us to imagine the world we want. Robert would always say, we were given a paradise, and why are we ruining this paradise? And you know, those conversations about peace begin with each of us. And it's that standing in a witness. I became a witness to so much of the pain that happened in Montecito. I stood there and I listened to these people who were talking about being pulled out of their window, being helicoptered to safety, being put on a dump truck and then dropped off at the shopping mall and having nothing on but that dirty old clothes that were in the mud, the soaked mud. And I would say, I would be there and I'd say, I know, I know, I'm so sorry, but I never said this too shall pass. I never did that. I was just a witness to their pain, which allowed some of the healing to go on. And so I always tell people, remember the world you want. What kind of world do you really want? And I give them an example. We were in Sardinia, the island by Italy. And my late husband and I were there, and it was 5.30 in the morning, and he got up and started cleaning the beach. And I'm thinking, what the heck is he doing? He's got a brand-new suit on. He's out there cleaning the beach. And then that day when we were doing our talk, a young man said, Oh, Dr. Mueller, you're so important. What do you expect us to do? You're at the United Nations. We're just little old people here in Sardinia. He said, What were you doing at 5.30 this morning? And the man said, Sleeping. And he said, Not me. I was out cleaning the beach. 
because I know I can make a difference on your beach. And I was not kidding when he said, when he had a pile of toilets, he had a pile of everything you could imagine, and he cleaned that beach. From that day forward, they now have beach cleaning parties. So you never know what a small idea like that can do. And it changes the mood of the people, and it changes the possibility for peace. Peace with the ocean, peace with the environment, and peace with that audience. Mm. You know, I always think I, I, I grew up with a... Um, civil rights worker dad who you know marched with king and everything very oh, very very strongly strongly pacifist mm, right and um so i've noticed and and i i definitely uh carry that legacy and i've well, noticed i love this i have to tell you something martin luther king did one thing which I love, he said to radio announcers, he was a keynote speaker for some convention for radio people, and he said, I want to thank you for being on the radio. My people would not have had the opportunities to understand that they count if it wouldn't be for you and the radio. That's why, Cheryl, I do radio. I love radio because you can listen <laughs> well, to it 24-7. That's, that's a happy quote for a radio person like me, for sure. <laughs> but oh, um, I love radio. Anyway. I listen to the radio all the time. I prefer radio over TV. When I was a little girl, right, we didn't have TV. We couldn't afford it. So we would listen to the radio, and my mother would embroider, and I would color, and we would have so much fun. <laughs> so back to, back to what I was going to ask about, if I can, if I can get back there. <laughs> Um, you know, what I've, what I've noticed in this lifetime of, of being um, a, a peaceful warrior, I guess I'll say, is that okay. there's an idea that, um, that pacifism, nonviolence, um, striving for peace, that they're, uh, I don't know, I guess I want to say a little weak or um, um, scaredy cat kind of thing whereas i think we're both would 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 say it it takes a lot of perseverance courage uh and you know it's hard work thought. our brains are so powerful how do you think jack canfield made his fortune on chicken soup for the soul why we love those stories we know that there is room for hope and joy and we love those stories. And I love your show because you always give people the opportunity to change their mind about grief. Grief is a powerful stool. It's a powerful anchor. I was sad when my late husband died. I was really sad. I was, you know, broken up. And I would sit in his favorite chair and I would look out at the garden he loved so much. And I would say, I miss you, my darling. But I'm still here and I want you to give me messages. Tell me what you want me to do. What do I need to do? And I would just be very peaceful and remember that I could volunteer. If I didn't have anything to do, I'd go to the grocery store and make somebody happy. You know, there's, just, there's always somebody who can make happy. <laughs> and so for you, I, I guess I would have to say one of the solaces for your own grief about things in life is service, would you say? Bingo. Have you said a mouthful? It is being of service, being available aware, paying attention. Somebody, you know, somebody invited me to the Rotary Cocktail Party and the second Rotarian woman in the world. 1985, when I opened up my Hollywood office, 
my lawyer said, would you like to be a Rotarian? I said, they don't even let women in the Rotary Club. So here I am. Fast forward 2016, I started the Rotary E-Club of World Peace. You don't know where you're going to go, but you just go along and you can do so much when you have that opening. Hmm. I think that every, maybe perhaps every guest I've ever had would agree about that, that it's sort of uh, looking, it's less deciding what you're going to do and more looking for the opportunity. It doesn't even matter if you look. It'll come to you. Go where your values are shouted. I would never have met Robert Mueller from Costa Rica if I wouldn't have served on the board of La Casa de Maria because I believe in the power of peace. I believe in people needing to heal the traumas in their life. So I served on the board of La Casa de Maria for 25 years. But if I wouldn't have been of service, I never would have met Robert. I never would have been able to do the work I'm doing. It is amazing how many doors open, and people say, well, how do you know which door to go to? I say, well, you know, doors open and close. If you don't like it and you're not happy, close the door and try another one. (laughs) (laughs) Someday someday we'll have another hour on the doors you closed, maybe. (laughs) Oh, I would love to see you more. There's so many things you and I just touched the surface of. So I I know this, we've been answering this question, question, but I want to put it a little different way. Uh, Why do you still have hope? Because I think a lot of people are struggling with hope, aren't they? Even people who are generally optimistic. Uh, Hope is a word that I think needs to be defined as opportunity. The O in hope is opportunity. And you don't go out looking for it. It'll knock on your door. If your heart is open, if your vision is clear... And if you're in the mood to change the way that you feel about the world, if you're ready to be a peacemaker, and sometimes you have to sit really quietly so that hope can advance. You know, the opportunities will come to you. Like I'm writing a new book on peace. I write a column for, um, you know, for Rotary E-Club of World Peace. I interview people all the time. If you're so bored, get on the phone and talk to somebody and ask them five questions. I want to know about you. You know, find out from the people in your life what makes them tick. Get excited about something. And then that that automatically reflects back to you as hope, huh? Absolutely. It happens all the time. Hope, the uh, prophet of hope, that's what Robert was called, or the optimist at the United Nations. And so many people would say to him, how can you be so optimistic when so many things are going wrong? And he'd say, well, what's the alternative? If I work on the things that I really want to change, then maybe they'll change. And he created 11 of the permanent agencies at the United Nations. And so many people go to our goodmorningworld.org for some of the 7,500 ideas and dreams we wrote. But this doesn't work. We didn't feel, (laughs) and I don't even feel like I'm working. I feel like I'm living. Living is about being passionate, about being joyful. My girlfriend said, you're the most joyful person I know. And I said, yes, I am joyful. And she said, joy is a special kind of wisdom. And I said, bless you. I didn't know that. We're coming to the end. I want to say that's been very obvious in this time we've spent together, that you you, uh, are... um, Uh, geared to happiness and I thank you for sharing that with us Um, I wish you all the best thank you I really enjoyed today 
And if I could give your audience one thing, accept yourself for who you are. You're just beautiful. You may not be the most perfect person, but you have the most perfect opportunity to be who you are. Great place to leave it. Thanks for being here. Next Thanks, week, I'll Cheryl, have Virginia Sampson, whose, whose challenges and losses led her to a deep study of compassion, resulting in two books, Compassion Magic and Superhero Sam Saves His Family. This has been Good Grief with Cheryl Jones. I look forward to being with you again next week for another meaningful conversation. Thank you so much for joining us for Good Grief. Please come back next Wednesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time for another edition featuring your host, Cheryl Jones, on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have a meaningful week. Abre mi corazón.